Hey, Julie here from Crazy and the King. And as a small business owner, Torin and I both know that paying and taking care of your team can be tough, especially right now during COVID. And that's why Gusto, our very first sponsor, has a built-in, easy-to-use payroll, benefits, onboarding, and other HR tools. If you, our listeners get three months free at gusto.com slash C-A-T-K. That's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. So we get ready to rock and roll. We're doing things a little bit differently. Let me tell you, first and foremost, absolutely appreciate our producer. Uh, He gave me some technical advice, trying some new equipment out, Jay. And I tell you, if if our episode comes out the right way, our listeners better watch out because we are continuing to, I guess, to invest and to really try to do the best that we can to give to give a great product. You know, the the mile marker for me, Julie, is Joe Rogan. Now, I, I know there's a ton of there's a ton of podcasts that we need to listen to <laughs> before we get to like if, if, if we had podcasts lined up. There's a lot of listening that I need to do before I could like honestly say Joe Rogan is my thing. But but when you sign a one hundred million dollar deal like he did several weeks back, I, I just feel like the investment that I made in technology is a step in the right direction. I feel if we got a hundred million dollar investment, we could spend a lot more time on the podcast. That would be awesome too. <laughs> I, I think if we got a hundred million dollars, all we'd have to do is the podcast. Like, I mean, literally do the podcast and chill. You know, oh, yeah. what's that saying? Netflix and chill? Like, we do, <laughs> we do the podcast and chill. Like, I mean, absolutely. But listen, I don't want anybody out there to think that we don't enjoy doing it because we absolutely do. Shout out to our first sponsor, Gusto. We absolutely appreciate uh, doing our podcast. And we thank each and every one of you for being there, listening, sharing, and helping us to grow as we are traversing through year number two. So, yes. so I want to talk about something that bothers me a little bit. Um, okay. And this is going to take us in a different direction. I don't want to bring, you know, the pod down, but but I just want to be honest with with listeners. And so I was looking uh, earlier in the week, Senator Cory Booker, uh, he, he, he made a statement. He said he wishes the racial wealth gap would also be known as the, quote, American wealth gap. He was talking at an Axios event. It was a virtual event on Wednesday. And what he was talking about was something that is near and dear to all of us, like our fiscal position, that economic ladder, where we are financially is important. It says so much about who we are, but it says so much to us about who we are. Like, I know, I don't know if you've ever been in this position, Julie, but I remember in 2004, 2004, when I had to file for bankruptcy, I I absolutely know the feeling of 
of the money not being the way that you want it to be or or have been accustomed to and things mm-hmm. going sideways. And so when I hear these and read these various articles, it just frustrates me when I look at the the categories and and so many of them Julie if I'm honest, as black people we are we're always at the bottom. And there's something about that that does not sit well with me. It's demoralizing to a number of people to include myself. Now, it's not an impediment. I don't stop. I'm never going to allow it to to keep me from doing the work, but it just frustrates me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it. it's one thing that I always point to when I hear um, white people saying, hey, you know, slavery's been over, everything's equal now, it's all good. And, and then I show dates about what it will take to bring up the black community, what it will take to bring up the Hispanic community to levels equal to whites. And if you look at that, I don't understand how you could possibly deny the impact of systemic discrimination and racism from all the way from things like you're talking about with um, access to capital, economic things, but also then to the things that we're seeing in our life with public health. Black people are suffering more than white people in COVID, in your advancement opportunities as a collective, not as an individual, as a collective, because we are failing to address the structural changes that are needed. And until, I mean, I I want you to say this, if you have to say this every fucking week until something starts to change or we get a hundred million dollars like Joe Rogan, I'm all for it. Absolutely. No, and when you talk about structural changes, uh, I want to say the Richmond, Virginia mayor, uh, Mayor LeVar Stoney, he was also at that virtual event on uh, Wednesday. Uh, and he said structural long-term change is needed before the massive protests supporting the Black Lives Matter movement can be seen as a racial reckoning. And really what he's talking about is the proof is in the pudding. He said, bottom line is, if the divides and gaps between black and brown people and white people still remain here as they are right now in 2030, then all of this was for naught. I tell people often. He says, then we missed our moment. I, I, I tell people often, Julie, you know, I say, if, if you really want to know my feeling, my feeling is that the tenor, the intensity, and this was before George Floyd. This was before the protests that we've seen over the last uh, five, six, seven weeks. This was before that. This is, you know, in the last couple of years, what I've told people is that I really felt like the intensity of the conversation around DNI had legs. It had life until 2025. And, and, and I'm no social scientist. I'm no, you know, anthropologist. I'm no academician. I'm just okay. touring. How, but where did you get, where did 2025 come from? You have that, to elaborate. That, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm just me. I'm just a guy who, <laughs> you know, I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to qualify. I don't want people to run around trying to find research. Um, you know, if you quote it, quote it and make sure you quote it with a guy. Hit, his name is just Torrin. I, like literally, you can you can say it that way. But, but the reason I said that is because when I look at and think about the intensity of the conversation over the last decade, I think about the stat that is often uh, displayed that the shift in uh, representation around the majority minority, as they say, shift is around 2040. Uh, when I think about that, in t- coupled with the intensity over the last decade, I said, well, I mean, by 2030, we got to have a different conversation. 
Not that it's going to be gone. It, it, it should just be different. And so I said, ah, well, maybe we got to like 2025 where we really have to do the digging. Like you really have to bring in the heavy equipment. You got to bring uh, dig, dig deep and, and, and drop the fiber and, and the, the piping and the system and the framework so, so that we could build, quote, the city or the road or the access point or the structure 2025. And so when I saw that this week, you know, the the comment from the mayor, when I saw Senator Cory Booker's comment, I said to myself, I sure hope, I sincerely hope that we all are working towards changing the narrative, shifting the narrative, as I say on Twitter, hashtag shifting or shift the narrative, that we're all working towards that. And that in that effort, that work, Julie, I've not taken anything away from you. I don't believe in the 18, 19 months that we've been recording, you and the family have suffered anything because you've been committed to DNI initiatives, that you and I are having these exchanges, that you are donating to uh, like the Hickman family down in Texas. You've lost absolutely nothing because of the work, effort, and intensity that you've put in. You may have lost because of something different, but it had nothing to do with fighting for equality and access for all. Is that a fair statement? Oh, yeah. I I, honestly, I've done nothing but gain since going on this journey before you and now more intensely with you because I feel like I have some control, right? I have some voice to make an impact and that feels better than, than doing nothing, uh, which is, is how I felt for several years of, of just not being able to get out of that funk into action. Yeah. Yeah, no, we got work to do. So listen, uh, we, I quoted, you know, Senator Cory Booker, I quoted, uh, mayor LeVar Stoney from Richmond, Virginia. You can hop over to Axios. Uh, I believe their website is Axios, A-X-I-O-S.com. And you can look at the mentions, you can follow them. You, they even have a Black Lives Matter section on their um, their platform. Now, listen, it, it, it's something that needs to be updated. Um, I think one of the most recent articles was, I think, dated June of, of this year. However, the piece from this virtual event was on Wednesday, so I'm sure they'll move it to the Black Lives Matter section. They haven't had an intense amount of contribution there. Maybe that's a suggestion that they're going to go out and hire more individuals that are going to cover story matter that falls in that particular category, because I believe it's absolutely important. It also leads me to this fine time to remind folks that we really are on a journey. We're on a human journey, a life journey. This is an everyday journey. Like Julie and I don't take off DNI, if you will. Yes, we get to watch, you know, Netflix, as I mentioned a moment ago, or Hulu or or we get out and we do exercise, we do it with the family, we do it by ourselves, we grab things to eat. But when we are working, we are working because we're on a journey. We're moving and we're traveling and, and everybody's not moving at the same pace. We recognize that. But but that's part of the reason why we do. Um, that's why we do this podcast. And, and I mentioned the above, not because I see any of this as being anyone's fault. It's not Julie's fault. It's not your fault if you're white. That's not what I'm doing. What I am doing is making sure that I remind people that uh, public policy and personal responsibility are part and parcel of the formula of progress, Uh, which brings me to Stephanie Creary. Are you familiar with Stephanie Creary at the Wharton 
School of Business? I have heard of her, yes. She is phenomenal. Like, she fire. She's like, mm-hmm. if I could use a bit of slang without people getting mad, she's that chick. Like, she really is the bomb. She interviews some incredible people. She has this great, great um, program that she delivers inside of corporate America. She and I are going to be working with a client out of New Jersey, uh, and she has a race framework. And so she actually did an interview um, recently that I, I read about on the Wharton Knowledge Newsletter. And I just want to I want to just amplify a piece. Uh, she actually creates categories and she she puts organizations in one of three categories as it relates to their being on this journey that I mentioned. Uh, she calls them veterans. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. She calls them veterans. Uh, she calls them aspirants, and she calls them sideliners. Yep. <laughs> side. A lot of those we, guys. We got was just scared. Damn it! You ain't even yep. you ain't looking at it out loud. <laughs> we got a whole bunch of sideliners up in this joint. You know, mm-hmm. they got popcorn. They got on lead boots. I mean, we got a whole <laughs> we got a whole bunch of side. You know, folks that put their uniform on backwards and the zippers and the stuff. Got oh yeah, a whole bunch of sideliners that have not uh, fit for duty. Yeah, man, they got <laughs> excuses all day long, and so we don't even want to talk about the sideliners. I'm just gonna skip skip through that. I'm gonna highlight two: the aspirants. They have been talking about diversity for some time and are aware of the issues, perhaps out of necessity. Stephanie Curry points to the gender bias that became evident in Silicon Valley as an example. Me too. Times up. If you are new. But aspirants have only begun to move the needle. Then you so have would she, Go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. So on aspirants, would she say that those are organizations that have been forced to start coming off the sidelines, either through public relations, marketing, a, a, a bad news story, or is it that they're really just beginning? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it was... Definitely. Well, I want to say definitely because that sounds like 100 percent. But the largest of their movement was out of some necessity, some. uh, There was some mechanism, some lever that was pulled or pushed, something that cajoled them, that that forced them that that they needed to take more activity. Those are the aspirants. You got it absolutely right. And then the veterans. The veterans are the companies that have made significant strides forward, and they continue to keep the equality conversation at the top of the agenda. Uh, I want to just make sure that we share with listeners, uh, many of you probably already know this because you've been rocking with Julie and I for quite some time. Many of you are doing substantive work on your own in your own respective organizations. You've committed yourself to some degree of self-study and learning. And so we absolutely appreciate you. But I just want to insert, uh, as Stephanie says, they keep the equality conversation at the top of the agenda. I want to remind people that the equity conversation should be there as well. And that you cannot confuse equity and equality because they really are two separate things. I won't belabor the issue, but I just want to make sure that we keep the definitions, both of them uh, present because both of them are equally as important. The reason I raised Stephanie Curry's name is because I just really want people to be aware of who she is and the work that she's doing. And if you're looking for another resource, another place where you can point learning to, 
because this learning is it comes in a variety of forms. Uh, you can find her over at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can sign up for the newsletter. It's an awesome newsletter. Again, it's knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. And of course, we'll post it in the show notes. Yeah. And, you know, just to go back to your kind of three categories, we always talk about you're interested or you're committed. Those are kind of our two categories. And we have a sliding scale of where you are on the journey, um, where you start to cross over into that, I think I would say aspirant line and then into the veteran line. But one thing that I talked about this week, and I want to give an early name drop to our parent organization, Ability Beyond, uh, because they have taken the first step into um, action and and moving along this continuum of better diversity and inclusion. We launched our first um, ERG specifically for our Black employees this week. and. Oh yeah, big deal. 60 years of of, yes. of being around and we are taking that first step in the journey. So I'm so super proud of them. But one thing that I, I told everyone this week, and I've been saying it to the leadership team, I've been saying it to the new members of the ERG, is that this is a lifetime's journey. Yep. And if you think that you're going to get to some place and then we're going to stop, you need to change your mind. Yep. Right, you need to to remove that expectation. You need to remove that expectation of perfection. It's never going to be perfect, and it's never going to be finished because it's a lifetime's worth of work. And I think that's important for companies as they're thinking about what a true DNI strategy looks like, how they become the veterans, because the veterans know that they never stop. Right, they continue to make those strides forward. They continue to keep equality and equity at the top of the agenda, and not just say, "Okay, whew, we did it. We can walk away from the table," because that's not how it works. No, not at all. And I'm glad that the leadership there is open and amenable to that conversation. You know, because far too many times it gets stamped out. In the interview in which I pulled this piece from Stephanie Curry, she was actually talking with the person who was at one point the chief diversity officer uh, for Marriott. I'm trying to bring her name up. Uh, Rohini Anand. Uh, she was actually the um, president of CSR corporate um, social responsibility and the global chief diversity officer for Sodexo. I'm sorry. I said Marriott. I'm corrected for Sodexo. And she, so Stephanie was in conversation with her uh, back in July 28th. And you're absolutely right. We talk about often how organizations, organizations are like, what? Like, who are you? Uh, I mean, why is that important? So Mm -hmm. it's a really, really good thing that your leadership was amenable, open to it. I'm glad that they've taken the step of setting up the ERG. I hope that it's only the beginning of a number of ERGs being set up in the organization. I I could not be more excited. We're we've always, we are always so hyper focused on um, you know our community, people with disabilities. That uh, we we've missed some opportunity, and we have some incredibly talented, amazing staff that that's ready to grow in this ERG and and help us build something that is incredible and and also which I think is so cool gets to be the prototype for the future ERGs because we'll know what works at Ability. And, yeah. and they get that that opportunity to help us build history within our organization. So I am very, very excited. Yeah. You know what? Uh, sidebar conversation. You and I talk off mic. 
I want to share three things that I think are important around the ERG. Uh, so I want to make sure that I share them with you that you can take back to uh, the organization. You cool with that? Uh, always, awesome. always. Awesome. So I think so. you got a joke. You got a little, a little <laughs> you got a little jokey joke up in the end. You remember Martin back in the day? He used to say the jokey oh, joke. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is so bad. I'm going through looking for stories this week, and this is my ode to to Robin Schooling, who I know you know, Torin. Shout out, Robin. We love you. Hello, Robin. An ode to you who tells the absolute, the absolute best HR horror stories I have ever heard. And this one is one I would expect to hear from Robin. So an Australian man. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Did you get it from Robin or no? No, no, but this would be one I would hear from her. I did not get it from her. Oh, we got to make sure we shouldn't. So, so she's got to make, we got to make sure she gets this episode. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, yes. So in Australia, a man worked for a gay conversion center and he had a stroke. And so he sued his employer and he sued his employer because the workplace at the Gay Conversion Center, was so terrible, the culture was so bad, and his anxiety was so terrible that it drove him to watch porn, which then subsequently caused him to have a stroke. So there you go, guys. A whole new level of I don't know what the hell. Wait a Um, minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) You left out the best part. So when she says, there you go, guys, (laughs) <laughs> the part that Julie is not telling you is that this joker got to sit at home and he got two years of weekly pay. Yeah. So so the question becomes, and this is a really good question for uh, anyone over in that part of the world. If you are in Australia, uh, New Zealand, if you are over there in Anyway, I would love for you to let us know if this guy is back to work or if you've peeked in his window and he's still out watching. <laughs> he's still very stressed. So stressed. Yeah, let's see if he's still stressed out. Let's see if he's yes. still stressed out. Because the government agreed. The government agreed. So they gave him two years of comp and said that the morale and the environment of the workplace was so terrible that it justified his addiction and then caused his stroke. Like, holy shit. Are you serious? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And it would be one that Robin Schooling would tell probably better than I do. That's and, all right. Uh, <laughs> we're going to make sure she we're going to make sure she gets it. That's what we're going to do. Oh and, my god. And we're going to make sure she gets it and then we're going to put a little monitor on her Facebook post cuz Robin drops Ooh. some joints on her Facebook post on a regular. Uh, some jewels. Yeah, yeah, absolute funny jewels. Love, love Robin and, and what she does. So, but you got a race detection story uh, in a more serious manner, and it's in facial recognition, and that is important. Yeah. So I picked this up uh, a couple days ago from the HCM Technology Report uh, from Mark Pfeffer, and he does some some really great education, at least for me, on on HCM technology. Yeah, he does. And So the title of the article is Race Detection Tools Quietly Creep into Facial Recognition Technology, put out in HCM Tech right now. So 
remember what is probably three or four years ago now that Amazon was selling facial recognition software to law enforcement and it was disastrously um, inaccurate at recognizing both black and Asian individuals. You remember that? I do. I absolutely do. They actually just recently started uh, cutting ties with some of those organizations or some of those organizations started cutting ties with Amazon. Go ahead. Yeah. And so, so racial facial recognition is not new, but what we're hearing now is that facial recognition is being turned into facial analysis and that companies are using return to work due to COVID as a reason to adopt more screening and managing of their employees in the workplace, right? So those are like passive monitoring efforts um, where tools and AI tools scan workplaces, um, monitor temperature, occupancy access, all of those things, including facial analysis that helps identify the race and gender and ethnicity of an individual as they're at work. So let me ask you a question. Um, wow, this is complicated. A little bit. It is. Yeah. What, what's the What's the bigger issue for you? Is the bigger issue for you whether or not the facial recognition technology has gotten remarkably better over the last 12 months and now it's a bit safer for it to be deployed and built into embedded into these systems, both in community and workplace, or is it problematic for you because you feel as if this technology is going to erroneously or uh, inadvertently or um, what's the word that I want to use in a more lopsided way? I can't, rem I, I, I can't get the phrase that I want it's going to be more damaging to a particular community of people. So as a practice, um, I, I, my main concern is, is that we already have given up so many rights to our privacy. We know that we have limited privacy in our workplaces. How does this data that's being collected get used to ultimately make capitalism work better for those that are already have the power, right? I, we already know that these types of tools are being used in dating apps, in um, when you go to a store and helps to recognize trends in who's visiting a store, what they're buying, um, how to create marketing and product development that helps consumerism just continues to grow. On top of that, right, I, I don't know that I will ever feel confident that it works 100% of the time. And I think that as long as the system is as it is now, as in the, the white supremacy of, of too many of our technology companies, then it will never be used without bias. Maybe not even purposely inappropriately, but certainly without bias. And the the public health pandemic just like you know 9/11 and the Patriot Act 
we gave away a lot of our, our rights to privacy as Americans to feel safer. And that's really what we're talking about again. How do I make you feel safe enough to come back to work? How do I make sure that this workplace is safe? It's okay. We're just going to look at your face. You already work here. We know what you look like. It's, it's no big deal. And it is a pretty big deal. No, I believe it is an absolute big deal. And uh, I'm just a bit um, hesitant to see facial technologies built into our workplaces, embedded into to workplaces, because I wonder whether or not um, you know, agencies, some of the alphabet agencies uh, that are inside of our federal government will will honor um, honor is not the right word. Uh, let's just go with abused. Uh, I, I won't sound all, you know, fat, fantastic. I'm just going to say, I, I don't want to see them abuse it. I don't want to, I don't want to know. Uh, I don't want to learn. Do you remember that movie? Uh, Will Smith was in the movie. I, I, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. exactly. You know which movie yes. I'm talking we, about? We all know, yes, we all know what movie you're talking about, but it's gone. But yes. I know exactly what you're talking you, about. You, he's Minority running across the street and the guy got hit by, you know, the bus that was on the bicycle and yep. all of that. I believe in that particular movie, that was one of the movies where it was revealed that there's this phone bank. There's this system just down the road from me at uh, Fort Meade uh, where they are able to monitor all of the phone calls that are taking place in the U.S. I don't want to know or learn. I don't want any of us to learn that there are agencies that are able to tap into um, HR technology, watching individuals at their desk, entering into buildings, departing buildings, driving company trucks, and literally able to just snatch them out for whatever they think is the reason, good or bad. Uh, When I think about some of the reports that I heard this week, uh, I won't go into politics. I try not to talk about them in public and I try not to post about them, but I heard some things this week uh, from a, um, a public policy, from a governmental political angle that, that caused me a great deal of alarm and disappointment. You know, because I said, I can't believe that our administration is doing this. And so I just don't put it past people to not be nefarious. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But who who gets to control how that information is accessed and then uh, leveraged is a bit Mm -hmm. of a pain point for me. And and do you feel like we've it's something that we've already kind of become desensitized to. I I use my face to unlock my phone. I use my face to unlock my computer. Like I, I have to admit that I've, for the sake of convenience, I've already given up some of myself to, to those organizations. And they, there's, there should be no expectation that they're not going to use that to their advantage. That's how capitalism works. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And that's why certain things that I I will absolutely turn off on my phone, like I won't even get out of if I purchase a new cellular device before I get to the vehicle, before I get to my vehicle, I've already gone into settings and turned certain things off. There's certain apps that I'm not going to download on my phone ever. 
There's apps that I've learned about that may have been on my phone and I figured out ways to get them off of my phone because I'm just not, I'm not for it. And so I know that there is a bit of a trade-off when we are using these complimentary platforms that, you know, they woo us because they're free. It's easy. Wow. Take a selfie, post it. Yay. That's me, Mm -hmm. you know, type stuff. But, you know, at some point you got to begin to ask yourself, what is the trade-off? What really is the trade-off? What really is the trade-off of access? That's right. Being able to access this with one click, with one thumb, with one eyeball, what really is the trade-off? And so I try at this particular point in my life uh, to not succumb to convenience and to try to be a bit more measured in my my use of technology. I absolutely do. Um, there was a point in my life, you know, Julie, where I would put Uber on my phone, the app. Oh, and, yeah. And I would use it when I was on, you know, travel. And then I would yep. delete it when I when I, I got back home, like I literally was going through this, this routine of, you know, always having to reinstall and, you know, put the information in. But then I started to recognize, wait a minute, they still got all my information on their service. Yeah. And, so and so they, like when I, when I went back to put it all in, like literally it was shorter and shorter at each time, like mm-hmm. it's, it's still sitting there. So there's something yep. about and that trade-off. They can recognize, right? I mean, they know Torin lives in Baltimore. They do. They know that he never uses Uber in in Baltimore. So how can we take that information to target Torin for certain, you know, subscriptions or when he's on the road? Because we have now recognized him as a business traveler more than likely, right? And even it's like even the things that you do that are are smart to, to get, you know, have less monitoring can still be used because the technology is so smart and it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do by recognizing those trends in your behavior. Yeah. I think, I think the bigger thing is that, you know, we just, we really want you all to recognize out there listening while you may not have decision-making authority in your organization as to what technology is inserted in the stack you may not have any say whatsoever in, in how that information or that technology is embedded and woven through the day-to-day uh, corporate presence. We at least want to make you aware uh, that this is happening. Like before you put it up and shout out to Mark Pfeffer. Uh, I just remember when we were standing at the bar in Colorado. Uh, I haven't seen Mark in um, a year and a half, two years now, it was our last trip, one of the last times. And he's an incredible uh, individual to talk to. Really, really good guy in Pennsylvania. We love you there, Mark. Uh, we appreciate you as well. Great story. And had you not put this up, I didn't even know that it was even being embedded like that in uh, HR tech. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads me to, and Torn, I have not True story, we have not talked about this off offline. So if we don't talk about this next week, you'll know that we decided it was a bad idea. Um, but all of this reminds me of something that we're seeing in the news so often. And what I'd like to do, or what I'm proposing to my podcast partner today, is that next week we take the show and we talk about QAnon. And what we're seeing in that phenomenon and how the hell we're going to prepare to handle this in our workplaces, especially related to DNI. No, Do you I'm know what Q? 
Yeah, I'm with yeah. it. I'm with it. Let's okay. spend, let's spend some time. I mean, you've you've given me a preview. I'm I'll put a little sticky note up on my my wall. I told you I got a wall of sticky notes. I'll put it up. And you know, let's start a show sheet and do what we do and and let's, yeah. let's make it happen because you know, the bottom line is these things are happening whether we talk about them or not. And yep. so if, if in fact you're raising it as a consideration, then certainly it is a point that we should explore and how will it impact uh, you know, DNI efforts. So I'm with it 100%. QAnon. So everyone listening, you already yes. know what we're going to rock. So you could, you could start tweeting out crazy. And the King is going to talk about QAnon. Like, why don't you be ambassadors for us? Like, Ooh, like yes. help us out, like throw out a tweet, even when you're not expecting to throw out a tweet, like erase that, you know, that tweet that you're doing. I'm not going to call out a, a TV show. I was about to, but I can't do that. You, Erase that tweet and, and put out that Crazy and the King is going to talk about QAnon next week during the week of, uh, you know, 826, whatever, something like that. So let's do that. Name drop. You got him? Oh, yep. So um, to Addie Barkin, who is a civil rights activist for the disability community, he was uh, diagnosed with ALS in 2016, I believe. Um, and he continued his journey and fabulously told his story about the importance of access to medical care and services for people with disabilities to the Democratic Convention last night. And he just never fails to to get me riled up about what we can do when we stand together and we stand united. And so thank you, name drop to Addie. Um, here to continue to support you on your journey, brother. Absolutely. And I've been talking about the Illyria uh, Diversity and Inclusion Research Conference. I've hashtagged it as DIRC20. It might be DIRC2020. But nonetheless, Wendy Daly, you can find her on Twitter, Wendell93. Uh, Wendy Daly actually shot out a tweet, shot out a tweet uh, last week. And so Wendy actually is going to get a complimentary ticket to, to the Illyria conference. Listen, if you have not been following us or you've missed it, go to Illyria.com. You can get some information on their conference. You can also go to DIRC.info uh, and grab some information on the Diversity and Inclusion Research Conference. Illyria is a bad organization, bad as in good. Love the work that they are doing over there. And we appreciate you, Wendy Daly, for putting out a tweet for Crazy and the King. Awesome. Uh, so here goes another week. Oh, that side right there, that side says, man, it's been a, <laughs> that side was like, woo, this has been a big show. So listen, I'm going to take it across the finish line for my pod partner because we do work hard. Like, it's not as if we got that hundred million that we talked about in the beginning. We both are probably going to log off and do another couple of hours, several hours of work. And so for now, Julie and I, well, Julie and I are ghosts. See ya. We are excited about having our first Crazy and the King show sponsor. That is in reference to Gusto. Who are they? Well, Gusto is an easy online payroll and benefits service built for modern small businesses. In other words, 
a people platform. One place to pay and take care of your hardworking team. Here's the offer. Get three months free when you run your first payroll. All you need to do is visit gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. That's abbreviated for Crazy and the King. One more time. Go to gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out.